the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hi. There you go. <laughs> On I'm today's <laughs> episode, <laughs> On today's episode, it's going to be a bit of a theory episode. Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't have the full title down yet, but it's going to be around, so you want to go analog, which is another episode, but this is more like the buying theory around like the quality of, say, a signal chain in the mastering realm. Mm -hmm. And that sentence may dictate what the title of this episode is. So a lot of this is centered around the quality of your signal chain. And really, what is that point to where when you decide to go analog, um, at what point and at what price point do you really put yourself at when you're going to purchase gear? And at what point is the cash that you spend not really worth like... I don't know. Let's say like like the like the juice. Like when is it not worth it? It's like if you're gonna are you gonna drop like fifteen hundred dollars for a mastering equalizer? Is that worth it? Yes or no. And so we have our opinions on that. And so why may a fifteen hundred dollar mastering equalizer be worth it, or why may it not be worth it? So and we may be completely off our rocker, and I don't know. We may just get like a ton of like one I'm star off votes. My rocker. But you know what might offset all those one stars that all the hatred we might get? Housekeeping. If we roll into a little bit of housekeeping. Yes. And y'all do your part and offset all the hate that will come from this episode. Take it away, Sam. Welcome to housekeeping. Today is a great day to do some housekeeping. Maybe y'all at home should do your own housekeeping if you need to. Take five minutes today. Take care of clean your house. Your shit. Keep your house clean. Keep your masters cleaner. That didn't quite roll off the tongue like I wanted it to. Anyway, you know, it's housekeeping <laughs> time. We uh, are so grateful that you are listening to this podcast another week. Uh, during this housekeeping time, we normally ask you to like, <laughs> share, subscribe to the podcast. And uh, I think we've really boiled it down to sharing uh, with a friend is awesome or screenshotting the episode you're listening to and putting it on Instagram and tagging Matt or I is super helpful because then we can just quickly add to our story and you can also get marketing exposure to your own account. I have five thousand followers plus at this stage Holy crap. real people you're so popular they're real all people from pakistan <laughs> they're all in real. pakistan in pakistan and i'm happy to repost your post about the podcast because i really like uh i like cross marketing i think it's a great way to get more community involved so if you feel led by the holy gear spirit to go take a screenshot of the episode you're doing please just post it and tag us or share it with a friend and i think that's all i want to say for this housekeeping the best part 
The best part about like everything that happens in post production <laughs> is the music is going to be so fantastic that like without any music, that was kind of awkward. <laughs> that one was kind of off, you know. But in post, man, that's going to sound like that's going to be the best one. You know, that's the power of music. That's the best one. There you go. I say that, but my housekeepings are like they're solid. absolutely wretched. You know, they're, oh, please. they're solid. <laughs> please. There's an episode I think that you're editing. I guess this episode will have will be after that episode. Mm-hmm. You sent me the converter one. What's the other one? Oh, the master engineer's having a tone. Yeah. Um that one I did housekeeping in. I haven't listened to it yet, and I am dreading <laughs> listening to how much I butcher it. It's not bad. I'm putting it together <clears throat> right now. So it's with the music. Uh, you know, the music just redeems. Every time I do housekeeping, I'm just It just redeems it. No bueno, Batman. No bueno. (laughs) So you want to hop into this one? I do, but before we do, speaking of bueno, if you're listening, you need to DM Matt for the gif about bueno. (laughs) No. I can't the thing is is that like people are gonna do it. I know. Every time you ask them to do something in regards to me, and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and it happens. And it's like, I don't know, it's like 30, 40 people reach out. Hey Matt, that was great housekeeping. What are you talking about? Yeah. At least for the first five. DM Matt about the Bueno Jeff. <laughs> don't. All right. Let's get into this one, Sam. All right. I'm gonna let you start. Okay, so I think the best place to start... I'm kind of reading notes, so let me kind of readjust this mic here. right. We're getting Um, into it. Here we go. Yeah, I feel like the best place to start with this is... Well, first, I actually do believe this was an episode requested by somebody. Somebody from (laughs) I It was requested by a listener, and I... I don't know. I think we were just kind of mulling it over for a while, and uh, I need to have a little bit of like introvert time with kind of more difficult like topics. And so I feel like the best way to kind of honor this person's question and for us to get into this is kind of with the question of, so when it comes to you making the decision to go from in the box to analog mastering. I mean, it could be mixing, it could be production, um, but I mean, we kind of market this as a mastering podcast, so that's kind of the way I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I don't really believe that has any bearing on any of our other listeners. Um, so, when you do decide to take that, let's say, leap, uh, the question was phrased in a way of, do you dip your toe in or do you just jump in? And that's like kind of financially. Or what, what camp would you say you're in, Sam? Toe or jump? You know. If you got to jump into a cold pool, do you like wade in? Or oh no. do you just like, man, screw this. I'm not, like rip the bandaid off. I'm not like a cannonballer. But I will, as soon as I get some 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 footing going in the, the shallow end, I will just, you know, do like a, a squat and get my whole head uh. submerged immediately and take a nice deep breath and just accept the coldness. And then I feel great. So in that regards, I am a all-in uh, type of person with cold water. Now, with gear... 
when I started, I'm definitely a cannonballer. By the way, yeah, he's a cannonballer. I, I, I got to rip off the band aid. That's a recent <laughs> development. I used to be a waiter, and then now you know you get to the midriff section, and oh, you're like, oh, yeah. no, this is horrible. And then you got to convince yourself, man, I got to get these shoulders right. underwater, right? Because the shoulders is where it's at. Yeah, and then and then you got the head. Yeah, but now it's like recently, it's like you just rip off the band aid, man. We're 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 burning daylight here. That's how it is. I'm sorry. When I'm, to gear when I'm in the ocean, I. <laughs> I get the first wave I can get under, I try to get under instead of letting it you got s- to. slap into my body for 30 <laughs> yards till it's above my head. Um, but with <laughs> with gear, uh, I started with dipping my toe and it was a approach I took that was based off of probably the lack of understanding of what gear did, lack of understanding of what I wanted, and also financial, we all start somewhere. And at the time, I remember thinking about spending $1,000 on something sounded um, like a lot of money, which it is, in theory, still a lot of money. But now being 10 years plus into it, um you know, I can see a much broader picture and scope of what a career looks like, what investment looks like, what return looks like, and understanding more so the importance of having the right tools to then offer a better product and to work from a place of confidence when you have the right tools. And of course, finding the right tools is difficult, which is kind of part of this episode and previous episodes. But I would like to say if I could go back and if I could give advice to people, it would be to honestly probably cannonball into some nicer gear and maybe even, I don't want to encourage you to go into stressful debt, but on some level, I think we often short side um, ourselves and our potential. And I think people are often very pessimistic about uh, what they could make as a as a mastery engineer or as a mixer or as a producer, and often, um, you know, I found the more I invested, you know, into my tools that I liked. In this episode, I think we're kind of talking more about being out of the box. But the more I invested into out of the box, there was a direct <clears throat> correlation with me feeling like, okay, I'm. I, I have some pieces of gear that I really like and that I know people have used for 20, 30 years to make great sounding records that I like. There's some master engineers I know that you know love the Massive Passive Silver that I respect, which is why I bought that version and so forth. And so um, it's kind of part of the process I look at it now of, of just you need to be willing, in my opinion, to invest into yourself, to give yourself the best chance to actually win and actually serve your clients and actually make the records you're hearing in your head. So my opening remarks, I think you should <clears throat> dive all in. Now with that, I want to say you need to do heavy amounts of research and also be willing to buy and sell gear if you buy something you don't like, you can sell it or return it. Um, so that's my opening, my opening remarks. I'm going to try and do more dialogue with you than monologue today. Mm. <laughs> so, what do you think, Matt? 
I know Just you cannon, cannonball into the pool. Do you cannonball into the analog world? Um, I'm just taking a note real quick. Um, I, I will. So there's like so much meat right here. Well, <laughs> that's a weird. That's a weird sentence. Let's let's eat the meat. <laughs> so, so I, th- I think the way that I want to start this <clears throat> is there's been a few conversations I've had with people over the years who have told me, and I don't know if they still listen to this podcast or not, that they feel like they got in to gear too early or too fast or before they were ready. And I don't really, I didn't dig into that at the time. I didn't really know what it meant. Um, I won't say that's a wrong sentiment because everyone kind of has their own like financial barometer. But I will say that if you jump in with like a massive passive and it's pretty early on in your career, just understand like much like say buying a house or you're going to buy a car or you're going to like move or something like that. And you got to furnish that house and hook up all the utilities and you had to put down your security deposit. And this is the, like the apartment thing, um, getting furniture and all that stuff. Um, there's a period where for a while you're going to be house poor. And I generally term it as about like between four and six months before you're like, okay, I can spend money on things now. Or I feel like I like, like all our budget and everything's like really under, like, like moderately under control. We still need to monitor everything. Um, But I mean, you drop like five, six, seven thousand dollars on a piece of gear, and you're like, "Whoa, that was a dent!" So, like, I got into that knife or NIF uh, compressor, and that was like a sixty-five hundred dollar hit. Um, and then it turned out really quick. This was not what I thought it was. <laughs> it's a fantastic compressor, but being in the market for a very mew, I wasn't ready for how clean it was, and it really wasn't the vibe that I wanted. And it was fantastic, and it was lovely, and it was great sounding. And I have like a handful of records that if anyone really wants to go check out what it sounds like, um, the tone of this compressor was used, not heavily, but it's very forward on these records and I can tell you like which records and what that sounds like if you were interested um so but I knew very quick into this that oh man this is not a piece I want to be in with and I got rid of that IGS that like tube core whatever it is and then that's kind of what I replaced it with granted massive like price difference and everything but um that's that's all another story um, so I do think that like, if you do like, is there a point to where you do get in before you're ready? Um, I don't know. It's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of like, like getting married. It's like a lot of people when they're engaged, they like are all folk. Like, like what is like, like the sole focus when you're engaged is like on the wedding. And it's like, well, you need to, as a couple, make sure that you are focused past the wedding. Because if you're not focused past the wedding, then you've spent, I don't know, however long you were engaged, only focusing on a day to neglect the life that you have beyond like the actual wedding day. And so I feel like that's, I think that the the parallel with gear is you have all this like thing and like the journey up to get that piece of gear is good and exhausting and fun. And like you're, you're on the hunt. But 
you need to focus past purchasing that piece of gear, understanding that you're going to have a little bit of a financial deficit and like understand, hey, there is life beyond purchasing this. And what happens if, and this is not a parallel to marriage at all, what happens <laughs> if this piece of gear does not end up working out? So, um, so that's all, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if you're in the situation of I'm hopping into this too fast or you feel like you're going to hop into it too quick, I feel like that may have been overlooked and you need to, and this is kind of like a, uh, this is kind of end, I'm ending kind of where Sam ended. Um, I feel like if you do get into something too quick that you need to have a little bit of an exit strategy. Um, so <clears throat> I would say as far as going analog, the most difficult one for me is or was the converter because it's like at the point you don't really understand the reason to get it. You understand the reason, like it's a means to an end, but until you're further down the road, you don't really understand how large and necessary of a means it is for the end and that it like and how important of a role it does play. Now the first piece of gear that I bought, I got the Rupert Neve uh Portico 2 that master bus processor and <clears throat> I feel like that was a pretty darn good investment because without EQ, I could get like general vibe. I could like, I, there's some fun gain staging with it. There's a compressor, which I ended up not liking too much. I'm still not the biggest fan of it. I've only used it about once a year, but other people love it. That one knob limiter, I absolutely love it. And that's, uh, what is it? Stereo field editor or mm -hmm. SFE is absolutely sweet on it. There's also that little, uh, this, the two silk check textures. And so as far as like going out of the box and everything, I think that was like a really good buy. Um, do you have anything to say or I can keep going? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got, I have things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to kind of get, I was going to start going down the road of um, buying gear and then. Um, yeah, that's kind of like, what I have written. Down. I have, why are you getting gear and where are you going? <laughs> I think that's a great like way to go because I was going to start talking about like when you actually get into buying gear and yeah. like price points and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say like, I want to reiterate. I think you have to be aware of your risk tolerance or stress tolerance within this conversation. I want to. I kind of mentioned it before, but I think it, it really like. I always encourage people to buy the best you can buy, and then usually people will tell me what they have for a budget for gear. And I'll usually, it's usually low, honestly. And that's how I was for a lot of years because maybe you just, you're starting out and you don't have a lot of money. But for most people, I always tell them like, well, can you save up? Like, can you just save up for two years? Like, is that a possibility to save for two years to then buy the massive passive? Like that, the thing you want, you know, where, and that gets into the kind of like, where are you going? Where do you start? Kind of idea of like, where do you think you're going with your career? 
Like, do you think this is ending in three years or do you see this as a 10 year thing or a 15 or a 20 or a 30? And I think most people, when they start, they, they start this hoping with the intention that it, it lasts for 20, 30 years plus. Like, I don't, I don't think many people get into audio thinking, man, I hope this just works for a year and then I can go do something else. Like I think most people I've talked to over the last 10 years really want to do this thing that they love for a long, long-term thing. And so for me, then I try and help people think about where are you going in your career and what is the market you're trying to compete in and what, uh, what then that kind of, I'll say, dictates to me where you should start and what you should invest into. And so like you're talking about converters, I 100% believe in converters and and the value of investing into it. We just put out a converter episode. If you're new to our podcast, go check that one out where we kind of really, I think, sell the importance of converting um, and why it matters. But, you know, things I look back on of, you know, when I started, I did. I thought, okay, I wanna, I wanna do this long term. I wanna make a full time living, which is kind of a moving target based on your own goals and what you wanna do in life. And then within that, you even need to look beyond. I think I may have mentioned it once in an episode, but um, you know, I when I got started in music, I was engaged, and then I got married, and we want to have a family now, and so seasons of your life change, which means your business probably has changed. And most likely your business has changed just in general. If you're going to be around for 30 years, you're, there are things I do now and problems I solve now that didn't exist when I started 10 years ago. Um, and so that then influences the type of gear you buy and what you need to save and even prepare for thinking about I now have like even a, a rainy a rainy day fund essentially or like a future proof fund for my business of I know I'll have to buy a certain piece of gear or even software or as we get into AI or whatever is coming out in the future I would like to adapt and be willing to adapt to it so I have a little cushion that I put money into and these are all things that have taken lots of years to think about and figure out but it's important when we're talking about, and I have people too that ask me like, hey, what, I want to go out of the box. What should I buy? Or should I buy a, a bunch of things? And I I look back and go, I, I wish I would have bought a better converter sooner, um, better cable sooner, better full, more full range monitor sooner. Of course, invest in the room. We've I cannot say that enough. We've talked about almost every episode, which I'm glad we have because it's so important. And then, you know, for most people, I try and tell them like, you should buy, in my opinion, like a great EQ and a great compressor or limiter and or limiter. And you should probably save up, I don't know, I would say like anywhere from two to five grand for each piece. So that could be anywhere from like four thousand mm-hmm. to ten thousand dollars that you're well willing to spend. Uh, and by spend, it's really it's an investment into you and into how you can serve your clients better. If you feel like you want to go out of the box, and I want to say too, as always, you can 
sell these pieces of gear. If you buy something and you don't like it, or even if you like it for two years and you go, hey, I don't, not really digging this anymore. Kind of like outgrowed it. Yeah, you can outgrow things. Um, or maybe you decide you want to go back in the box, and that's cool too. Um, but I would say you need to understand that you are investing into yourself and you are once again giving yourself a chance at least to make the records um, that are in your head. And there are pieces of gear and converters and things that are still around, companies that are still around 30, 40 years for a reason. Um, And I'm often surprised sometimes when and this is, I mean, I get it. Like, this is how I thought when I started. It was like, oh, how do, how do they get vocals sounding so good? And then I looked the record up or investigate online. It's like, oh, they used a manly microphone into a 1073, into an 1176, into a Neve console. And then they had the best mixer mix it. And then the best mastering guy master it. <clears throat> and that all comp. And also you have an incredible performer. <laughs> and that's how you get that vocal most of the time. No big deal. No big deal. You know, you have like the stars aligned to get that star vocal that, you know, is on the hit song. And of course, there are outliers where there are people that make hit records in their bedroom or with less than ideal situations. But for the most part, most people don't stay in their bedroom. They then go get the studio still or they then go hire someone else to help them make the record because doing things in a less than ideal environment and less than ideal setup and less than ideal knowledge is fatiguing and not sustainable. And in my opinion, when I look at those people that have made bedroom hit records or songs, if you follow them next year, they're no longer in their bedroom. <laughs> they are, they've either built studio or they're in the studio and they seem to be a lot happier <laughs> about what they're creating. Um, you know, then yeah, before. everyone talking about like like Phineas making that Billie Eilish record and all that stuff in right. his in like that room, and it's like, yeah, well, he's not there now, right? Exactly. So, and that's how most people are, and that's fine, you know, and that doesn't degrade what they did before or anyone that makes music in your bedroom to start. Um, and when I say bedroom, it just means like kind of less than ideal environment and setup um, to try and you know, create a professional result. But I just feel like if people can think a bit more broadly and also um, believe in yourself that you can do this and you can have a career and invest into yourself and invest into the wisdom of people that have gone before you that make records you enjoy um, and then you investigate how they made their records, most people are making great records with great gear still. Like, it's still a thing. Like, even if they recorded in the bedroom or on the tour bus, most mixers are working in great environments, even if they're in the box. They're still working in killer rooms with great full-range monitors. They've invested into great converters, into great monitors, into great setups. Um, you know, and so it's it's important to understand because you'll get so frustrated. And this was me for the first few years of working in a less than ideal ideal environment, using less than ideal tools. I would just keep kind of running into like trouble spots and trouble issues in my music and being like, man, I do I just suck or am I missing something? Hmm. And a lot of it came down to, you know, I had things to learn, of course, 
but I I distinctly remember like the first time using the massive passive still. It was life changing. Like it literally changed my career. I remember I mean, like, texting you and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And that's a moment where, you know, you become a believer in something. And you can have that with plugins too. You know, when you find a plugin that finally kind of solves this problem that you run into. You're like, oh my gosh, my stress is going away. <laughs> like I know how to do this now. And that for me, a lot of it, you know, there's plugins I like that are that way. And there's a lot of outboard gear I like that, you know, does that for me. So I find the, you know, my stress has been relieved over the time of investing into good gear and kind of going all in and saying, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it, you know, a full on try. And Mm -hmm. yes, there's risk and yes, there's stress. And yeah, maybe it won't work out. And maybe it works out for five years and doesn't. And then maybe you just don't know, like, but I've just watched so many people kind of limp into their, to their career. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that listen to this episode and and they don't buy anything and they don't invest in anything. And you're going to be frustrated, you know, and it's, I'm not saying gear is the answer, but I'm saying proper preparation and having the right tools gives you a much better chance to actually succeed and create from confidence as to always kind of being like, oh, I don't, I hope I can make this sound good or I, I don't know if this is how it's supposed to be or how it's supposed to sound or I wish, is this how all EQs sound? The answer is no. Like the massive passive uh, is an EQ that's unmatched. Like it, you can't you can't beat it in certain areas and that's why people still use it. Um, so anyway, that's my long monologue there. I want to hand it back off to you, Matt, for your, for more meat, meat with Matt. <laughs> this is the... <laughs> This is the part of the episode that remember in the beginning when I said like we're going to receive hate mail and one stars. Yes, this is, this is that part of the episode <laughs> right now. And please, for the love of God, disagree with me if I am off my rocker. I don't really, <clears throat> I don't really profess to be um, that good at what I am about to say in this type of classification, but. Just through my general analysis over, I don't know, like the past, it's like I've been shit looking at gear right around like about 10 years and doing the the mastering thing for almost nine. And so um, this is just my own anecdote. And so feel free to fast forward through this. I also say this part of the episode should be sponsored by Sweetwater and Vintage King because uh, we're going to be talking some numbers here real quick. Um, It's not, though, but it should be. Um, So what I'm about to say is if you are going to invest in gear, consider it as a personal investment um, into you and into your business. This should not be a hobby. Go back and listen to some of the business episodes. Maybe we'll do some business episodes in the future. Um, a lot of people seem to like that. Um, they're actually they're the episodes that have the lowest um, download count, but they are also the episodes that, at least me, I receive the largest amount of feedback from positively yeah. that it has really positively impacted people 
um, gotten them into a really good financial uh, situation with their business and everyone's treating everything like really seriously. So maybe we'll do some business episodes in the future, but it's really funny because like if you look at our metrics, it's like substantial, like you do a gear episode, it's substantially higher listener. (laughs) Like count, yeah. Than like an actual like self improvement or like a business episode. So that means we just have a lot of people out there who are like just totally like listening to the first few minutes, or they're just reading the title, being like, "Nah, screw it. it's not about gear. I'm gonna move on." <laughs> so this is the part about gear, and this is the part, however, where you will not like me. What I'm about to say is only for new gear. And this is the um. MSRP, the actual gear and what it is listed for uh, online, on the website, wherever you're looking. This is the new, fresh out of the box, never been plugged in, tubes are cold, price. This is not for used gear. This is not for custom gear. It also doesn't really even... This isn't really even for like converters and stuff like that because that's like a completely different realm. We did a converter episode. It's already out. Um, This is really just for um, um, processing post-converter, or I guess like post-DAC. So I'm going to get hate for this, but I have this written down. So as far as price ranges of gear, let me kind of run down what I've seen. This is for new gear, not used gear. I have some sweet-ass deals in this rig that I did not pay new prices for. I have new pieces of gear that I did not pay full retail for. Um, And we may be able to do an episode on how to do that. So from the price new of 0 to $2,500... Feel free to disagree. Everybody, including you, Sam. Um, you may, it is my personal recommendation that you really need to keep searching. And quality of that gear, the construction of that gear, um, and the care of that gear as it was being put together may be lacking in one way or another. It may be being put together too quick. It may be one thing or another. This is for new prices, not used gear. But your quality may be lacking. Um, and my um, my recommendation is, is um, if you're just trying to hop into a mastering EQ, if you're trying to hop into a mastering compressor or some type of a sig- like, like a, a tone box or whatnot, my recommendation is unless extenuated circumstances are existing you should probably keep saving. From the range of $2,500 to $3,500, um, you're getting pretty good quality gear. Um, you're getting very good quality gear. You're in the range of just looking at my rack. You're looking at that Masalik MPL2, the second piece of gear I bought. Um, you're in pretty much every mastering piece that API makes. Um, I think I said Rupert Neve already. Yeah, that MPL2... Um, foot control systems. You're getting really good pieces that operate in really fun ways. Uh, thinking of Sam's rack without looking at a picture of it. Um, you're getting into lower tube tech range. You're getting into better maker range. Um, I think those are around 3000 Um, I think the EQ goes up a bit in value. 
uh, or in price, new. Yeah, um, you can get the overstayer, which I, the mastering rotary one for like two grand, I think that I have. Yeah, which I like. Yeah, so, so, and it's like that's an extenuated circumstance. But once again, overstayer is a super like personal decision on whether or not you like that. And we would consider that like a tone box, correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so that is an extenuated circumstance. Um, once again, feel free to disagree. From thirty five hundred to seventy five hundred dollars, you're getting into high grade gear with high grade components, quality manufacturing and assembly, um, and then you're also getting into the semi boutique range. Um, and from and you can normally, as far as like semi boutique stuff, you can normally pick up like a stereo or dual mono piece of gear in that range. Um, I, a lot of the gear that I have is in that range. The Masalik EQ, um, the, like any massive passive, the Varimu, um, the, what is it? The Crane Song Head Quantum. <laughs> However, there is one now on Reverb for like, someone listed it for like seven grand, but it's the only one available. Supply and demand. <laughs> Yeah, and so once again, this does not include converters. Um, then from $7,500 to $10,000, you are getting into um, some pretty good vintage gear. Um, maybe may have a little bumps and scrapes in that range. And then you're also getting into, without converters, you're getting into mono, so like single unit mono boutique range stuff. So like... There's that like what is it like Vacuvox like the U32 mm-hmm. or U whatever it is. It's like you're buying two of those boxes. It's going to take up six U in your rack, and it's going to cost you every bit of like seventeen thousand dollars to get those. But I've heard also that they're like the best compressors that money can buy, and that they sound like glorious. Um, then you get into the ten thousand plus range, and I, there are three categories here. You're getting into like the really expensive, like full range monitor land. You're getting into ATCs. You're getting into um, PMC, which PMC just redid their whole two two range. But um, like like the you're starting in the IB range. Um, I think Neumann. You can start doing like their like full range stacks. Um, and then yeah, obviously up. It's like anything. Um, so you have like full range monitor land. You have like super nice vintage gear. And we're not going to go in like the twenty, thirty thousand dollar Fairchild range. But it's like you're going to see like people selling um like dual mono uh twenty two fifty fours, those Neve, the bridge diode compressor, diode bridge compressors. You know what I'm talking about, like the blue boxes. Mm-hmm. Um You'll start seeing those sold. You'll see just like really nice vibey pieces. You'll see like like stuff in like like made by EMI uh, go up like a random like filter set by Abbey Road and stuff like that. Like it'll kind of hit around there. So good vintage stuff, full age monitor land, and then you'll also see it's and that's like the range of like it's December and I really really badly need need an expense so I don't have to pay as much in taxes. Um, it's also getting into like, that's where like a lot of Sontex land, I think like 11500 to me is the going used rate for that. Um, so granted, this is kind of getting into a lot of the non-MSRP stuff, but 
Um, then you get into like a lot of like the boutique converters and stuff like that. I don't know if if I am wrong or if I am off base on all of this. All of this to me was kind of for new gear. As far as used gear is concerned, um, you just got to work the market. It's also not for custom gear. If you have something custom made for you and someone's willing to do it for outside of those price ranges, please do not hold that price range to anything. I'm trying to have something custom made right now, and I really hope I don't really even get up to that second bracket. So... But I think it's going to be pretty decent. So, um, let's see. Yeah, my my whole thing with that is like monitor monitor the used price market, monitor depreciation. Um, a really good way to look at it is so like say like you have like a very mu or something like that. Well, there's like a lot of there's like three or four different types and serial serial serialized classes of Varimu. I believe there's three. You have the original one, you have the one in kind of like late 90s, early 2000s, you have kind of the the more modern one right now. There may be onto a fourth because they redid their whole power supply, um, and that's not including the mastering one. But then when you dive into it, you have the ones with the T-bar mod, the one that gets rid of the... Uh, where they got rid of the 6386 tubes and they swapped them out for another pair, but that allows... It it doesn't make it super crunchy over 6 dB of attenuation, I believe I read. You have the high-pass uh, side chain and then you have the MS features with that. So you can really monitor and dial in like like when you know the, like the different mod sets for gear, you can really dial in like what the certain types um and ranges that like things should be selling at per like mods that they have and that they don't. When you get into the used market, it's like and then you, it's like you say you look at like the Rupert Neve, like the Portico two, uh, the the master bus processor, the original ones that do not in the middle have that bypass all button, and that you have to push like eight buttons in order to bypass it. Those should be selling normally around like the like. I've never seen them below three thousand dollars, but like twenty eight hundred is probably as low as you'd probably see it to like really low three thousands. The ones that have the bypass all button that you don't have to push eight buttons to bypass it, that guy normally like hangs around value around thirty five hundred bucks. So it's like you just kind of know and you just kind of see how stuff is going. Seeing a lot of like those better maker limiters, they're going for if you're lucky two thousand twenty two hundred bucks. Um, like I'm just kind of like looking at my whole rig and it's like you just kind of got to know like what's what it's like you know like okay well antelope pure 2 versus like a helo what's holding value better the helo is holding the bet value better right now the antelope pure 2 but it depends on what type of connection it has on the back of that because the helo with a thunderbolt will hold a better value than the usb will and so it's all just about like give and take tit for tat about um what's going to be what you might get like the like the, I don't know, the, like the miracle deal. And that's the one I can't pass up. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good deal. It's like finding a, finding a tape machine for what I found it for, finding like a few other things. And just like, I, I tell Sam, I was like, so I bought this. Did you want it? No. <laughs> Why'd you buy it? I'm a sucker, man. I'm a sucker for a deal. You find Even if good it's just deals. to turn around and flip. Even if it's just time to flip. So. Um, some of y'all saw that I found some like PMC MBs, uh, MB2s, 
And I don't completely know what I'm going to do with them yet, but I know if I wanted to sell them, I could make a decent amount of cash for them, but I might see if I can try them in my studio first. But in order to do that, you got to buy amps and then all the other stuff that kind of goes along with powering monsters like that. So, um, so the biggest thing with all this is just kind of being patient. So if you are going to get into this, and I'll kind of wrap up you know, my monologue. God knows how long it is. It's literally <laughs> just like a whole block of my own text as far as our dialogue is concerned. Um, kind of wrapping up what I'm going to say, the biggest thing is if you are going to hop into gear, my recommendation is to cannonball in but if you cannonball, be very patient on when you can cannonball in. Mm-hmm. So say you're cannonballing into like the ocean and not a pool. Um, you probably don't want a cannonball when like into a wave that is crashing because you're gonna get like sucked down to the bottom, thrown on the bottom of the like on the sand and everything, get like thrown around by the wave, and then you're gonna come up, and you're gonna be shooting salt water out of your nose, and you're like, wow, what's going on here? So you wanna like time it right. And you know when the time's right, you know when it's not right. I do not recommend hopping in with new gear. I don't see a reason to, but you know, there are some people out there who um, are masochists and they like that type of abuse. And if that's you, good for you. <laughs> um, but my recommendation is to try to go used gear as much as possible. Just know what you may be getting into, especially tube gear what you may be getting into and what somebody else may have fiddled with. And when you get it and you spent four or $5,000 and it comes in and it smells like lavender incense and you're pissed off, just understand you bought a used piece of gear. Um, and then also know that in most situations, there are return periods. There are, if you do buy new, that's the best thing. And say like Vintage King, you have like 30 days to return it. So anywho, I think thus ends... Um, my little thing. Do, is, what do you see that's wrong? Pick pick this apart. I actually really enjoyed your price breakdown. I don't think anyone has ever done that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> On like but I promise you, episode I am wrong. or YouTube or podcasts, and I hope people hear it as like clarifying to different levels of quality, um, because. I will testify that I think I think the quality matters and I think the amount you spend with audio gear often you kind of get what you pay for um and I think breaking down that level hopefully isn't discouraging to anyone cuz I remember when I was starting you know looking at a massive passive was just like so unattainable in my head and once again mm-hmm. that like circles back to like a scarcity mindset of not thinking I'll ever have enough money to buy it, but also misunderstanding the value of investment and also understanding the potential of return, um, not just financially, but return in sonic quality and return in confidence and return in... On some level, people do hire you for gear, whether or not you even use it, there is a mental thing that I know I'm sure people have worked with me because of my gear, even if I haven't used it. Now, I'm not saying that's necessary at all, but I, I am sure there are. Well, I know because people have mentioned certain pieces of gear or whatever. Um, but anyway, I like your price breakdown. I'm not going to really disagree with anything you said because it, you know, it's everything you said in theory is like correct. 
There are exceptions to it. Yeah, I mean, you can find... When you're making a generalization, right? I don't think it's that far off. Right. I don't think it is either. Like, I mean, I have some like quirky older pieces of gear that's like 500 bucks that I use on sure. some vintage, you know, if somebody wants a lo-fi or they want something from the 70s. And I'm like, well, I have a 70s exciter, you know, that was $100. Let's see what that does kind of situation. But I do feel like with audio gear, you know, for the most part, and I feel like this is where you want to continually set yourself up to win and and build confidence and limping into a piece of gear. Say you're looking for a 2BQ and you go with something that's $1,000 that's imitating the $4,000 or $5,000 range. I know multiple people who have done that and go, this just isn't what I thought it would be. Like, it just isn't it. And then they get the real thing, and we've kind of talked about that on a gear episode four, like clones versus the real thing. You know, and then they're like, oh man, I wish I wish I would have just saved up or I wish I would have invested quicker, you know, or or took out a, a loan or I don't know. I'm not encouraging everybody to go in debt, but there is it's fairly common when you're starting a business to have overhead and in investment. And from a business standpoint, and this is how I always look at it, is like audio is actually very cheap in theory compared to like opening a, like a brick and mortar pizza shop or having to hire employees right off the start. Like mastering engineer is the gear expensive and setup. Yeah, you know, in theory it is when you when you're starting from nothing with maybe not a lot of clients or money coming in, but that is so standard for almost all businesses. Like so many businesses and I have a few friends that do nothing with audio but have their own businesses. Well, even you, Matt, you have a you know your Hello. company, but I know they they spent three, four, five years not turning profit and just dumping more and more money into manufacturing and quality and marketing and figuring out products. And for some reason, when we get into the creative world, we kind of like forget that we are a business and that it may take years before we turn profit. And that's actually very, very normal. Um, so anyway, I digress on all that. I think what you said was great. I like the breakdown. I don't know if everybody's yeah, going to love it, but I think for people that are curious <laughs> and serious about music and serious about gear and serious about their career, they're going to enjoy having that little breakdown because it's something to shoot for. It's not something that's discouraging to me. It's something to go, oh, cool. Well, I could do that if I could save, you know, 2000 bucks a year, so 200 bucks a month-ish. You know, and then in a few years, I buy my mass passive. And then you have that forever for 30 years career, like <laughs> debt free if you want to do it that way. Or you buy it and you know, you're, you know, a lot of like Vintage King or Guitar Center, they'll give you 24, 36 months, 0% financing, which is crazy. And you can just pay the thing off. Like talk to companies and tell them what you want. And oftentimes too, they'll give you good deals. Like if you, I've had where I've talked to people and said, like, I want to buy this. You know, what's financing look like? And they are like, well, we can do it for this. And I'm like, cool, that works. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say. I'm good to go. So, yeah. As far as like, like, I just want to touch on something real quick. Yeah, go. Um, well, three things. One, um, this episode does have a counterpart, um, which is uh, selling gear and when to sell. 
It's a it's a, it's a very important counterpart to this episode. Obviously, not happening in this episode, but it down the line, it is an an item that no one talks about, and it's a really important part of managing a business. Um, second thing I want to talk about is as far as like loans and everything goes. Um, I'm not a believer in, and it's like, I, I have another business. I have like, this business has like monthly line items on the P&L that it's, that's larger than anything that this mastering business does in a year. And so it's like, there's like, like th- this, this investment is, well, it is personally daunting. Yeah. To be looking up that mountain, um, the journey is by far, in all honesty, more fun than the actual goal attained. So it is worth it to me. And that's like a really good way on how to like judge whether or not um, to take on a venture is asking yourself, is the journey to getting there going to probably be more fun than like the goal of like actually like like the goal attained? So, but as far as loans go, um, I don't. I'm not a big believer in taking out large lines of credit to fund things and whatnot. Um, I am a big believer in using small lines of credit. Um, and so, like, I really like a firm, and they do some cool stuff with Reverb and eBay and whatnot. And so, while say I may have like four thousand dollars, also it's like I, I do like the whole the whole mantra: if you can't buy it twice, don't buy it. Then you can't afford it. It was like a like a Jay Z quote or something. And I'm not a Jay Z fan, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. And I'm not saying to buy a four thousand dollar piece of gear, you need to have eight thousand dollars, but you should probably have some other cash and not be depleting your your operating account entirely. So, like, if I want to buy a five thousand dollar piece of gear, I have four thousand dollars. I don't mind being like, yeah, let me finance twenty five hundred of this, and I'll put like twenty five hundred like towards it, and then just like pay off that twenty five hundred while preserving the other twenty five hundred of operating capital, and like, yeah, just not like running my business into the ground because like random things happen. This piece of gear needs to go in, stuff like that. Um, I do like those smaller lines of credit that like you can pay off interest-free in six months or something like that and just helps you spread out your operating capital. But that's really about it. I don't recommend you go out and you take a 10, 15, $20,000 personal line of credit that you're hoping the studio turns a... Uh, a, a profit on when you're not treating it like a business and it's a hobby and all those. So much other stuff has to be in place and you're doing it on your personal credit. So much other stuff has to be in place in order for this to make sense to me. But anyway, Sam, Man. we're going to finish this up. I got to go in like a few minutes, but um, rapid fire question time. Yes. You ready? Okay. This is just yes or no. Yes or no. 80% of the time, if you spend more on gear, will that piece of gear sound better? 80% of the time. Yes. So, for instance, like the the knife compressor, didn't really care for how it sounded, and it just was me. It wasn't the compressor itself. 80% of the time, in my opinion, um, if you spend more on that piece of gear, generally the quality improves. So question number two. Um, in this game, more in, in the game of gear, do you get what you pay for? Yes. Okay, I also agree with this. (laughs) I wrote the question. Uh, Question three, can I read my question? No. Uh, Oh, yeah. Why did I put that letter looking like that? Question number three, can you always sell it if you don't like it? Yes. Don't forget that, people. You can always sell it if you don't like it. 
In the background, you can hear Sweet Beat queuing up from the one and only lovely Sam Moses with BeesBeats.com. If you like the beat, you can go over there and you can buy it. Uh, as for us, if you liked what we said, please give us some five-star likes wherever you are to offset all the one stars we're probably going to get. Um, actually, the only, the only other time we ever got one star is when... We did a very specific episode that I'm not going to mention, but it aired last November, and it's the only time I ever received one star on something. We also got a four star on something, um, and I'm pretty sure who it's from. Pretty sure I know who it's from. Um, but if you can offset any potential one stars by giving us a five star rating, that would be fantastic. Leave us a comment, like, share this, please, for the love of God. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, we really appreciate just when people reach out to us or they just share it or they just tag us on Instagram or Facebook or wherever saying, hey, this is this podcast doesn't completely suck and uh, we think that you should listen to it. So um, for those of you who have done that, thank you very much. And for those of you who are about to do that, thank you as well. Um, do you have anything else for the people? Oh, if you need a mastering engineer who uh, and you do want a mastering engineer who's got like a little bit of gear, a little bit of knowledge with gear, well, feel free to reach out to... Sam Moses over at Moses Mastering. If you would like to reach out to me, I can be found out for the record mastering. And we would both love to take care of your song, take across the finish line. Anything else for the people, Sam? I'm done. Let's go. Okay, cool. I got to get home going to getting getting gone. All right. <laughs> Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Cue up the music. Yeah, right. See y'all. Yeah.